Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the next episode of the Squash Mind podcast series. I'm absolutely delighted to have on the show today, Daryl Selby. I feel lucky enough to call him one of my friends. Uh, We toured the world a lot together. He obviously reached a lot higher world ranking than me, but we shared some some cool tournaments and some cool times together. So it's really cool to be able to have a chat with um, someone of Daryl's caliber of player, but also just an excuse uh, to have a chat with a friend that I've not caught up with for a while. And hopefully this comes across in the conversation. It's it's nice and free flowing. It takes lots of different directions. And yeah, we just have a good time having a good chat about his career, looking back at a few things, looking back at some really key moments in his career and, you know, a very different way to look at the mental side of the game. Very um, not your traditional style, I, I think I can, can call that. Um, and yeah, he goes into a very honest, open chat about his structure, his routine, or lack thereof, and how this actually helped contribute to his mindset, to his game, and actually, like if he had maybe put some structure in by the sounds of it, or put these restrictions, or went a little bit full on with the mental side of the game, it may not have lent to his character, his personality, and his style. He talks a bit about, you know, play play to your style and know yourself. And I think that's a really powerful message. So I really think a a lot can be learned from this conversation. Again, I like that it comes at, at it from a different angle. It's not your traditional model of mental toughness, but 
boy, he was known as one of the most dogged players out there. If you watch him, he appears on Shot of the Month a lot of the time, Rally of the Decade, and, and he's got an amazing catalogue of entertaining skills, so naturally talented, hits the ball smooth, moves great around the court. But the underlying fact is that he was dogged, he was determined, he he never gave up, he had that real grit, that real determination, and this comes across in the conversation, and I hope you're able to extract a few things from there. Just um, a few little stats about Daryl, he's reached the world ranking high position of number 9 in 2010, so you know, becoming top 10 in the world, you've got to have something about, you know, you can't just have skill and talent, there's got to be an inner drive and an inner mental toughness, and, and we talk quite a lot about this and, and investigate a few different matches. In 2011, one of his biggest uh, titles, he won the British Nationals, beating Nick Matthew, who at the time, Nick Matthew was world champion and world number one. And he goes into a lot of detail and a really great story of how he thought he won this event and, and a poem from his sister, which is, is really sweet and really enlightening when you listen to it. Uh, another couple of notable uh, events, he reached the semifinals of the Tournament of Champions in 2012. And in 2019, he captained England at the World Team Championships. He's a very proud Englishman. He wears his heart on his sleeve when he's playing for his country. And he's scored some really big wins in the England shirt. And you can tell that he loves playing for England. And it's obviously a very different dynamic. Very much a football player in his younger days and loves football and still plays to a good high level now. And I hope you enjoy this really wide-ranging, varied, in-depth, friendly conversation with myself and Daryl Selby. Daryl Selby, how the devil are you, young man? Young man, I haven't been called young man for a while. Thank you very much. Um, I'm good, mate. I'm very good. Yeah, just dealing with with what's going on in the world at the moment, and uh, you know, confined to to our house uh, for another little while, which is, you know, annoying, uh, right. frustrating, but is what it is, isn't it? It so, is. Uh, and being being obviously a pro sportsman and you know wanting to get out there and compete, it, it yeah, it just feels like you're in that jail cell, so to speak. But yeah, listen, really, really cool to have you on um, the Squash Mind podcast series today. And yeah, like just really keen to interview people like yourself, high performers, people who've been playing right at the top end of the game for many years. And yeah, to get down in 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 the weeds a little bit, so to speak, with with what's going on in the mind and really work <laughs> on that. So I think the best place to start off would be for you to reflect back to being a youngster. Um, can you talk us through your sporting background what was this like and why did you pursue squash as a career um yeah interesting one I mean I played as many different sports as I possibly could as a youngster anything involving a ball to me was uh was interesting was was something I wanted to be part of so um yeah as a kid I played I played football from a very young age um I mean I guess it all comes down to your your parents sort of passions and which directions they lead you as well mm -hmm. so my dad's favorite sports were football and squash as a you know as a 20 20 something you know new father um you know me being first born I've got two two younger siblings um so the, they were the two main sports for him. And that sort of naturally became the same for me because, you know, he would take me down the squash club when I was five years old. And that's when I started playing squash. Uh, he'd play football every weekend. I'd go and watch and then became involved in that as well. So I think just, you just, I don't know. I was a sporty kid, right? Like I just, uh, I had good hand-eye coordination as a kid. Um, 
I I enjoyed anything with a ball. So I found my way into cricket about eight or nine and loved that. Nice. Um, rugby played a bit of that to be honest. I, I spent most of the time running out the way of, <laughs> of the big the big lads, but it made me run faster. And well, you could call that smart tactics, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that that soon uh, when I realised the physicality of that, I soon got out of the way of that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they you know football. Football, rugby, uh, football, cricket, and squash—definitely my main three sports as a youngster. And um, and then, how yeah. do you think? How do you think this also while playing a range of sports? Obviously, squash got put more in the spotlight at a certain point. But how do you think playing this range of sports lended itself to improving your squash? Do you think there was a link there? Massively, yeah. Um, for me, football and squash were were massive uh, help to each other. Like so, within football, obviously that first uh, first two three yards off the mark to sort of nip past someone or, or just nip the ball before someone else gets there. You know, when I was in my teenage years, I, that was that was what I did. You know, I and that all came from squash. That all came from playing squash and being quick off the mark, like off the tee as, as you were. Those first two three steps, as if you were going to the corner, nice. exactly the same, and that sort of mirrored itself into into football. And uh, and then football gave me, you know, that sort of base leg strength. I think the base strength in your body, playing such a physical sport like like football, um, meant that you know that translated itself well into squash. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't do my, many leg weights and stuff like that. I just had a naturally uh, strong, you know, bottom half from playing many different sports. I think, and that lent lent itself to. Um, you know, a, a good grounding, I think. And, and, and playing team sports and individual sports as well has massive benefits in learning to, to play as a team. Um, and then, you know, the, also the benefits of playing individually because, you know, it's nice just having having yourself to blame for something or, or as, as hard as you train, that's as, as well as you can do mm. with a team sport. Obviously, that's not always the case. You need everyone pulling in the right direction. So that comes from come the top the manager or the captain or whoever's leading it for everyone to be in the in the same place at the same time and there's a beauty there's a beauty within team sports as well in, in watching that happen when it does all click you know when there's a team and you see every part of the component working in the same direction right. and understanding each other's role and you know i i find that mesmerizing to be honest um in yeah, team so sports it sounds like you and again a very uh, big fan of liverpool great i'm there with you so yeah. we're loving it maybe yeah. not so much now a bit of a dodgy little patch but yeah so you sound like you're really passionate about the team sports and the football and that was that was a, a big thing for you why did then squash maybe take more of the limelight did, did you think at one point you could have pursued football as a career to be honest it never took the limelight for me until i went pro to be right. honest at 21 I, I was i was massively into football Myself and Pete Barker played for uh, England Independent School Boys. Um, we, you know, both had different interests from different clubs um, as youngsters. And, um, yeah, I loved my football. I played as much as I could. And to be honest, had I not played squash mm -hmm. at all, I think I probably would have ended up playing football because the football side of it, I got to a good level without really playing club football till I was like 16. Most most kids obviously play every weekend, whereas from when I was seven, I played squash every weekend. Mm. Um, not, you know, back then I enjoyed both sports, so it wasn't a big problem for me. But I remember feeling at times that I would rather have gone and played football on the weekend than played squash. 
Okay. And I didn't really have that opportunity because with football, you have to be fully committed if you're going to be part of a team. Right. You can't just go every other weekend or it, it doesn't work like that, really. Okay. Um, and was your dad pushing you in one way or the other or was he supportive along it? Do you know what? I don't really remember. He's, he's extremely supportive. Both my mum and dad have been extremely supportive of everything I've done. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was necessarily necessarily that. I think it was just the fear the choice of actually having to choose at such a young age because that was the feeling that I had Mm. inside is that if I wanted to go and play football I had to fully commit to a club on a weekend whereas yeah and I could play squash tournaments travel around the country play the tournaments on the weekend but I could still play football at school Mm. during the week so that way I felt like I could get the best of both so I could play football during the week and play squash at the weekend whereas if I chose to play football for a club on the weekend I pretty much wouldn't have any squash opportunities because you have to be able to play on a weekend yeah it would have been interesting to see because I think you're aware of this and you know having a young family yourself that the whole early specialization as or compared to the range of sports or sampling yeah. sports at a certain age and it sounds like maybe if you're, you're taking the football route and you know we could get into a whole debate about that it sounds like obviously the clubs make you commit early and commit young but then are you losing are you losing other aspects of your your life are you losing skill yeah. acquisition from other sports are you losing yeah different things and I, I, I'm a big believer and, and trying to be, become more sampling at a certain age and then only specializing later where do you sit on that spectrum and, and again being a dad now as well yeah I mean I'm I'm with you I, th- I think um, I agree I think it's uh, I think it's, it's such a benefit to play many different sports as a kid I would always be an advocate for that mm. um, I think the difficulty comes when you when you have people like I don't know Tiger Woods of this world right Tiger's been a golfer uh, since he was two or three. And now I'd love to dig in the mind of him. I don't know whether, you know, can he truly love the sport having done it that intensely for 45 years? I I don't know. Mm. It seems like he does, or I feel like he lost it a little bit and then it's come back to him now. Mm. And he always would have to have a dip. And, you know, mentally outside of his sport, it's probably affected him and his social life in a a negative way, but, you know, home life in a negative way because of the intensity and the pressure he was put under from a very young age, Mm. Um, partly because of how good he was as well. But I think think to get that grounded, full-grounded, um, understanding of, of sport in general it's, it's brilliant to play to play many sports as a kid but these days you know s- some clubs football for example like they want you to specialize from a young age and I know kids now that are playing five times a week and they're eight or nine years old like where do you have time for anything else with school you yeah. just don't have time for and that was almost the problem I had at a young age is not having enough time mm. to play all the sport that I wanted just because mm you know there's only so much time in in the day yeah and you, and you can kind of understand a little bit these academies are really pushing their players to just play football but yeah and and i like i reflecting on that tiger story you know there's the, the tiger story which is the poster boy you know a lot of parents are like brilliant we've got our kids starting at two years old and we really yeah. need to do it but i don't know he in 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 the most compliment i can give he's a freak of nature you know yeah. how, how many people have failed how many hundreds thousands millions of kids have failed because of that same model and he's yeah. the one that shines out and i think the odds of of 
you know, as a parent, you know, putting that on your children, that that's a lot of pressure. So yeah. when you hear the, the Roger Federer story, which is more of a range, he talks about yeah. a range, you know, he only was specializing at 15, 16. Yeah. And he talks about go skateboarding, go play squash, go do this, go do that. And I just yeah. love those contrasts. So yeah, I definitely feel like shining a light on the more, uh, you know, the range of sports is, is, is powerful. But let me, let me fast forward a little bit now into maybe your junior career leading to university, you know, you were playing with such a, an amazing um, depth of players. We've got, you know, Nick Matthew, James Wilshop, yourself, Peter Barker, you know, the four of you, plus a whole bunch of others, you know, you had um, Phil Barker, Peter Barker's brother, almost like, like a real great generation of players, but you decided to go for the university route. Um, I'd like to know what your decision was behind this. And, and if there was a fear of you falling behind others, because you were right, what were in the mix and, you know, still, <laughs> Still we're competing at that highest level can you talk us through the, that that the university decision yeah i mean i was what 17 18 it's very similar to decisions i make now to be honest it's based purely on enjoyment right right like i i wasn't making a career decision i didn't think i i wanted to go to uni because i thought it'd be fun basically um it, you know, I had no, I had no fear of falling behind. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not really that type of person that is, is like very, everything's set out. You know, some people plan stuff and they're very systematic in what they do and it mirrors in the way they learn. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if I learn, if I learn a new skill or I'm trying to improve my golf swing, for example, now everything I do is through feel like I have no idea if someone tells me that the mechanics of a golf swing, you, li- you might as well be talking Russian to me. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't understand it. Whereas other people learn in that systematic way of putting things together. I just, I just don't have that, um, that part of my brain that just doesn't engage, right? Everything I've done since a kid has been purely on just natural hand-eye coordination. That's how I've got through my life, through having good hand-eye coordination. That's how I've got where I am now, um, just from enhancing on that ability, basically. And that decision to go to university was based purely on the fact that I felt I could go pro when I finished. So why not enjoy my 18 to 21 years old, Mm -hmm. go to university, have a great time, get a degree, bonus, wasn't really going for that totally honest I was going for for the party for the fun for the <laughs> because it. you know at that age it's just what you what you want to do I had a great opportunity as well I got into Loughborough University which I knew was a great university like best sports uni in the country other sports other universities might claim to be absolutely not Loughborough is by far the best um, very biased obviously but I had a great time there <laughs> I had a great time met a lot of great people there was a lot of great sports people there as well um and and if i'm honest i i played football the whole time i played football the whole time played squash played squash once a week um just to keep my eye in really and because i was there on a sports scholarship so i sort of had to play squash but there was no (laughs) real squash set up so played played a bit squash but i was playing in the first and second team football and i I loved it i loved being part of that community like the football Mm. football um community and yeah uh, lived in a in a house and had a bit of independence, taught me a lot, living away from home, you know, like my my mum literally cooked me every single meal from when I was zero to 18. And then I got cast out to university and had to deal with living by myself and 
you know, learning how to even make pasta, like what? <laughs> no idea what I was doing. Could barely put bread in a toaster and what's this weird thing coming out? You know, like it, yeah. it was that that basic, you know, but um, yeah. well, it I, taught I, me a lot. I just want to pick up on a really interesting point there that, that you talked about, um, learn through feeling, learn through sense or intuition. And yeah. leading on to my, my, my next bit, you know, maybe linking the uni, but then then progressing into being a young pro. Yeah. You know, you, you the way you play and people that watch you, you're, you're really stylish, you're smooth, you're expressive, you're attacking. Class is a very talented player and we can discuss talent, what that means. But you also get mentioned a lot as the English Rami. Do you like that association of being called English Rami, first of all? Well, not really, to be honest. Like, I don't mean, like, you know, you want to have your own identity. I, I, in some ways, it's of, of course, it's flattering, right? Because Rami's such a great player, like one of the best players ever to play the game. He he um, he just played it in a completely different way to anyone else that's ever played before. So if someone compares me to Rami, then I'm absolutely flattered. At the same time, I obviously think I play differently, completely differently to, to the way he plays. Um, you know, in more recent years, I've tried to have my own identity in the way I've played because if you watch me play when I was 15, 16, I was a grinder. Like I was from having played lots of sport, I was fit, mm -hmm. I was strong and I played a very solid game without much creativity. I had it in me, but my coach at the time, Neil Harvey, gave me such a brilliant basic game, brilliant basic game. And I'd never take it back. He he gave me such a good understanding of, of how to build a rally, of how to hit a good length. At that time, like put me in, you know, was was building the the sort of building blocks of, of, of a, a good career, you know. Mm -hmm. But he never encouraged that creative side. He might, we might have got there had I, you know, had I had more coaching with him or not gone to uni and, mm. and, and worked with him longer. But um, where did you find that creative side then? Well, just uh, I've never really had a coach, to be honest. Okay. Uh, apart from Neil until I was 19, my dad's always helped me. Mm -hmm. um, he coached me a little bit when I first started, like as in full time, but I've, ne I've always done everything myself. And I think yeah. it just got to a point where it came out of me because mm -hmm. I was looking after myself and I let it come out basically. Nice. So how do you, how do you believe your own character and personality shines through in your game? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think I have a quite a nice mix now of, of, you know, that good base, base game, solid game um, mixed with, with the flair. With, mm. with the entertainment factor, like Squash TV's played a massive part. And I mean this in, in a weird way, like Squash TV's played a massive part in me enhancing my game, right? Like I want, it, I want people to look at my skills and enjoy it. Like that's the reason I do it. And that's part of the reason that I want to be in Shot of the Month. I want to have three entries in Shot of the Month. I want to have 10 entries in Shot of the Month. Like I, I want to... Part of the reason why we play, and the more you know, as having kids, you 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 get past that. You know, there's more to life than just winning or losing, right? right. Like there's the sport that we're in in squash is yeah, we have to find a way to entertain more people, and you know that's weirdly sort of t took it on my, upon myself to try and introduce that into my game to try and entertain more people, to try and hit weird and wonderful shots, to try and make sure that people were watching want to come and watch me play right yeah. they want to i want them to come and watch me play because i might do something different something crazy that some some shot that some kid somewhere in the world is going to go 
oh my god i need to go and practice that <laughs> and give them inspiration and um and i enjoyed doing it i enjoy trying all these weird and wonderful things it's amazing what you can do with a squash racket and a ball you know yeah i love it's amazing to hear you say that and, and thanks for sharing and opening up because that's that's a big part of the conversation I want to have with you today. And, and, you know, I've written a few questions in, in preempting this and literally my next question was you often feature on PSA shot of the month and rally of the decade, and you must be proud of this, but you pretty much answered that. And yeah. And, you know, you feature so often and, and there's so many rallies that come to mind and shots. And you know what I, when I'm running my junior squads, you know, one session and say five or six, <clears throat> excuse me, we put on the shot of the month and we go and practice them. And yeah, you feature heavily and all of a sudden the kids are playing that shot that you just played. So yeah, you've had a direct impact on some of my squads and the stuff we do. And I love that because I'm trying to give license to the juniors to express their character, express their personality. Have a look at these ranges. You know, there's seven shots of the month, 10 shot of the month. You know what? Let's try all 10, but you might be more favorable with one or two of them. So yeah, like I like hearing you say that is brilliant because it has a direct correlation and effect and it, it, that the, the character coming out is, is massive in that sense. So yeah, and again, you must be really proud of it. 100%. Absolutely, no. mate. And, and for the kids to practice it, like that's, that's good coaching in my opinion because the kids have to understand, they have to learn so many things to be able to do it. So say you're hitting a volley through your legs, right? Like you're having to learn how to position your body. You're having to learn how to change the racket angle to be able to hit from a place that you never hit from before. And having that type of uh, learning process where you learn to hit from different positions and like can only enhance their understand all round understanding of everything rather than just hitting from the same position, hitting forehand drive, forehand drive, or right. everything being perfect. That's that's yeah. just not squash, right? Sometimes the ball comes down the middle and you have to learn how to deal with it. So yeah. no, no, that's good good coaching, mate. <laughs> and yeah, like we, we even go into the point sometimes of when we do it, we don't look at any of the technical details. We actually watch it and I give them like a minute to close their eyes and do a visualization of what they saw <laughs> and then they go and practice yep. it. And there's always weird little correlations. So yeah, no, thank you for reinforcing that. So looking a little bit more in detail and again, getting into a little bit of the nitty gritty now, I'm always interested in habits and routines and what high performers do. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? Yeah, I'm just not a routine person. Same, like um, any, everything's different. Everything's okay. different in some ways. I have weird little... Weird little habits that I guess are the same. Like I've said this before, someone else. I like always put my left sock up first when I'm getting changed. Okay. Like it's just uh, don't know whether it's a lucky charm. I don't know. There's some weird stuff like that. But in terms of like routine, like I've I've never had routine. Like never had routine in my training. Never had routine anything. And might be to my detriment, right? I might have got higher had I had a routine. Had, had I gone and set out a whole week's training in advance, planned it, done this, done that, who who knows, right? Like, And I probably, in hindsight, probably should have tried to do that to see if it actually worked for me. But I still felt like just training when I wanted to train and mm -hmm. doing stuff when I wanted to was, was mm -hmm. way, way more beneficial for me. So, um, yeah, in terms of routine, no, like, don't, don't really have one. 
No, that's but that sounds like you know yourself. You know what makes you tick. If if you were to structure your your week or your month, like when I've interviewed other players, they they can't go away from the structure. That that's what lent it to them. But yeah, then the other side of the argument, if you'd added that structure, and possibly it would have gone the other way. You would have resented the game. You might not have yeah. character and your style might not have been put to the fore, and you, and you might have stopped playing because that whole enjoyment side was 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 missing in that sense and i, I think Absolutely, that's massively yeah. admirable for someone to to say that and be honest with themselves and, and again i think you know as a youngster you probably need to be exposed to different ways of doing things but i think the more yeah. you can know yourself better and know what makes you tick that for me is really powerful would you say yeah, absolutely. And, and you have to find your own way. There isn't a right or wrong way in a lot, in a lot of things. And mm. I think kids sometimes get fed this particular way and then don't try another way, which might actually be better for them. Yeah, totally, totally. So looking and watching a lot of your matches, and, and I, for one, have been on the receiving end of them myself, um, I massively admire the way you dig in. Uh, you you stay the course, you fight right to the very end. You, you, you've you won plenty of matches from behind. And actually, I think this is one of your trademarks as well of your success. You know, yes, you've got the the smoothness, the fluidity, the flair, the expression, but that that real dogged desire for me is, is something I've experienced and seen a lot of from you. And can can you talk on this and where, you, where does that drive and desire come from? I think it comes from, from a natural, like wanting to win, definitely like a, an intrinsic, really wanting to give everything to win. Um, I don't know where it comes from, but I believe I can win from anywhere. Okay. Until the match is over, I always believe there's a chance of winning. Hmm. Even that mirrors itself in stuff I do now, right? Board games, anything, playing with something. <laughs> if I'm way down, in my head, I'm thinking there's still a chance. There's still a way. If I get this, 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 and this in a row, yeah. I can still win. The odds might be terrible, right? The odds might be one, you know, a thousand to one. But in my head, I, I still think there's a chance and I still think that could happen. And it mirrors itself into squash, right? When I'm, I've been, as you say, like Nicky Muller, for example, I played him in Switzerland. I was, it was two all, I was two one down, actually two one, six one down. I won that, won that game, put mm-hmm. everything in, won that game. I was eight love down in the fifth. And at that point, I'm still thinking, if I win this next point, you know, well, uh, I can win. I, I, I just felt like it was a chance. And then turned it around, one eleven nine in the fifth. Like there's nice. positions until it's over, mm. it's just never over. And also, I think it, it also comes from that dogged determination and that never say die never give up attitude comes from even what that normally happens when you're tired right normally happens at the end of a match and you see someone's tired but they're just not giving up not giving up they're not going away and i talked to someone else about this recently but i've always trained i've never trained with music in my life so if i'm doing a gym session if i'm doing a bike session if i'm doing a hard session any type of hard session in the past I never trained with music. And someone said to me, why would you do that? Like, why do you not, does the music not pump you up? Do you not find it, you know, it's nice to take. I'm like, no, I don't want music. I don't want anything taking my mind away mm. from the how hard this training is. If I'm dying on the bike and it's brutal, I want to feel the pain. I want to feel the pain. I don't want music taking my mind away from it. Yeah. I want to be in the pain. 
I want to enjoy the pain and I want it to hurt me and I want to fight back against it. And that type of attitude, that type of fight, like you can't, I don't know, it, it comes from just deep within, right? Like I, yeah. it's not like I've had a tough childhood, right? And I've, I've had to fight against loads of stuff when I was a kid. That's not true at all. I had a great childhood. And it just comes from somewhere inside me that I feel like I enjoy that, that hard, the hardness of it. Yeah. And other people that don't enjoy the hardness of it, I'm like, you know, <laughs> you get think away there because yeah. I'm coming through. Yeah. I'm coming. No, no, I don't think they're strange. I just don't think they're as hard as me. Okay. And, you know, you have to be able to, when you're on squat, when you're playing squash and you're one on one with someone, you have to you have to be able to match the other person's commitment and desire. Love that. You know, and there's plenty of people out there that, that did that. Um, you know, you look at your, you know, I'm sure Greg Gaultier is the same. Nick Matthews is the same. You know, you're looking at those types of players, James Wilstrop, like mm. their, their hardiness, their internal hardiness is, is immense, you mm. know, absolutely immense. And I felt that when I played against them, that they had that same attitude to stuff as I did. Yeah. I, I, I've, that's so fascinating to get in your head and, and, and hear how you talk. And, you know, you can actually see you're lighting up when you're talking about it. You're almost getting competitive there. I love yeah. it. I bet you're not. Yeah, yeah, competitive. Kids, by the yeah, way, exactly. as well. I, bet, <laughs> I bet your kids like that. It doesn't work once. <laughs> but what, what I'm <laughs> is is I think a lot of people can exhibit that certain attitude that you said. But what I'm curious to unpack a little bit is that inner voice of yours, because as you were talking to me, you, you, it sounds like you've got this, this dialogue in your head that's saying no matter how you're feeling, no matter how tough it is, you're not going away. And, and that's where I think a lot, that's where it differentiates. A lot of people can get to a certain point and then that inner voice clicks the other way and it's like, no, this is too much. Can, can you talk on your inner voice a little bit more and, 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 and those what's going around in the head in those moments? Yeah, I mean, my inner voice is just telling me constantly to, you know, effing get on with it. Come on, like this is easy. You know, like, stop, stop trying to wimp out of it. It's not all that type of thing. Is it's like, come on, you're better than this. You can work on this. Is and I remember reading something or someone saying something. Might have been like Pete Marshall or something ages ago mm. when when someone said about how hard he trained, and he said even when you're at your, you think you're at your max and you think you're at your the most you can actually try, there's still another ten or twenty percent in there. Yeah. But your brain's just being try, trying to tell yourself that it doesn't want to push it past that level because it's so tired. Mm-hmm. When you actually have the capacity to go another 10 or 20% and you have to unlock it in your brain to like walk through the door to then go and access that extra 10 or 20% that you can actually do. Mm-hmm. So like when you're doing, when I used to do a bike session, I used to do my bike session or do my run or whatever. And when I'd finished, that was, you know, technically the end of it. I'd then go and do an extra two or three sets of it. Nice. Even though I was like convinced myself the last set, I'd like push as hard as I can. So I was absolutely at the end. I'd have my 60 seconds off where, you know, the next bits, you know, in your head, you're like, right, warm down. Then I'd be like, right, no, I'm doing two more. Until, and so you get that extra little bit when you're completely at maxed out. Uh, and sometimes just for fun, even after that too, I'd then like stick another one on just to punish myself. You know, like, that was fun. in the good old days. That was in the good old days. But... Define fun in your in your world. <laughs> yeah, the, the pain. You know, like it's just testing your body. Yeah. It's just uh, testing your mind, testing your body. Everything's a test. 
I love that because you, you hear all the stories of, um, you know, Johnny Wilkinson and David Beckham going out for those extra practices, whereas you did it, but you went to a much more physical place by the sounds of it. You would get to the end of those sets and you would bolt on going, right, I'm going to push myself. And, you know, there was a question I was thinking as you were talking is going, where does that drive come from because we're not necessarily well you know that's a nature nurture debate are we born with a certain amount of drive or do we have an environment that that brings it out of us you know yeah. I think there might be a little seed of it in you but then sounds like you cultivated that habit that behavior by bolting on extra things and you know continually pushing yourself to those to those moments um yeah, yeah. What, what do you think of that yeah no I, I agree it's hard to know actually I, I can't tell you whether where that comes from whether it's a nature or nurture type thing but you know, everyone gets motivated as well by different things, right? So my motivations for a lot of things, bizarrely, is not it's not to prove myself right, it's to prove other people wrong. Okay. Like that's that's where I get the most satisfaction. So if someone said I couldn't do something, you can't do that. You can't climb that mountain. You can't do uh, you can't do a hundred keepy ups on the side of the racket in a row. Bring it on. Come on then. <laughs> <laughs> let me go and practice let me go and try it you know that's that's the type of and then when i've done it i can go back to them and go oh. hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It, told you you didn't right. think i could do it but i've done yeah. it you know like it's that it's a it's, it's a horrible <laughs> i sort of hate myself for doing it because it's like a t i told you i could do it, you know like that type of thing but it's just i love a challenge right i love challenges i love i love someone thinking no nah, you can't do that and mm. then actually doing it um yeah very... don't know where that comes from I don't know where that comes from, but that's... Yeah, sounds um, like we've got to get you on a, on a big um, brain scanning machine and go deep in there somewhere. <laughs> and try and where it's at. I'm, I'm interested to know, when you're playing at your most confident, what do you think contributes to that confidence? Can, can you talk us through that, that state when you're really on point? Yeah, I mean, the, the match that comes to mind for me when you, when you say about in like the perfect mental state was the world team final when I played... Um, Tarek moment when we were playing England versus Egypt in, in 2013 we were ranked about the same I think I was 10 and he was 9 or maybe the other way around maybe I was 9 but like literally one place apart in rankings and I knew mine was a crucial match because Nick had played Gaultier for like two and a quarter hours the night before and he had to play Rami so odds were that he wouldn't be able to back up and he had less than 12 hours recovery it was brutal Rami was obviously number one, I think, at that time. I might be wrong, but I think he was number one in the world then. So we knew that I had to win. James had to win to win. And I was the first match on. 
And I think I, you know, head to head with Tarek, probably 50-50 at that time. And I just just got into a frame of mind that where I had no no panic. I just knew I was going to win. And I purely knew I was going to win because purely because of character. Okay. Purely because I I felt at that time I could look into Tarek's eyes and I could beat him just by looking at him. Hmm. And that's essentially what happened. I just stared at him. I I just he could tell that I was up for it. I was having it. And I beat him three love. And I and I beat him three love comfortably. And it wasn't a short match, it was like 55 minutes, but it just I was not going to be beaten that day. Um hard to know and hard to get into because it was like eight years ago where where that came from, where that where that belief that I wasn't going to lose came from. But mm-hmm. It was just, it was just, I felt maybe I kidded myself at the time. Like if I, if I try and over, if I try and look at him and exude that confidence that I felt like he was the type of player that would go into a shell a little bit. And that's sort of what I wanted to happen. That's sort of what wanted to happen. So but, um, but along, along that line, I think just to pick up on that, I was going to ask you about playing for England and playing for a team because you, you sound immensely proud and you've captained England and possibly this might have contributed a bit that you're also playing for someone or something else bigger than you in the moment. But can you talk about the mindset of playing for a team as opposed to playing for yourself individually? Is there a different mindset shift? Yeah. Yeah. I'd always choose playing for a team, if I'm honest. Like I, I enjoy playing for for other people. I enjoy laying my, myself on the line for, for the good of the uh, good of the team. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have to do that for myself. It's it's up to me. I always, you know, play for myself. I'll always give a hundred percent. That's that's sort of not in question. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wouldn't accept anything else from myself. Yeah. But playing for a team, that enjoyment of winning with other people is is something that you can't you can't replicate, right? You, I've won luckily enough to win. I don't know individually like British British title, right? When I beat Nick. Amazing feeling, but I felt better because my parents were there and they watched me do it. Okay. And it, that was like, that was a team thing because it was more for them because of how much they'd helped me as a kid and how much they'd time and effort they put into driving me everywhere and supporting me and getting to that point where they'd watch their son become British champion, which mm. for me wasn't about me. It was about them. And it's the same when I'm playing for England. It's not, it's just part of that group team mentality. And it's even it's even better sometimes when you're in a smaller team. If yeah. you're in a football team with a huge squad, trying to share that moment with lots of different people. But being within squash, obviously, there's like only three that can play in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a little squad of four. And you might have another three supports, that, you know, coach, two coaches. Uh, and at the time, um, physio might have SNC, whoever, but it's a small team, right? It's like seven or eight people. So to share it with such a small, intimate team is like amazing as well. It's an amazing feeling. Yeah, um, that's 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 so brilliant the way you 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 paint that picture and as you're saying that part of me thinks back to your footballing time and 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 you just alluding to the fact that you loved it when a team came together and there might be a little bit of that team element in you coming through and then you know yeah. winning the 2011 nationals beating nick in essence what it sounds like for your parents is an amazing thing and i wanted to just unpack that tournament a little bit more because 
that that arguably was could be one of your proudest moments, winning that that 2011 British Nationals against Nick. Can you can you talk us through the event and possibly the match itself against Nick? What what was yeah? Do you, do you know what? I can't actually remember who I played in the earlier rounds. I think okay. I, I think I played. I think I was three seed from memory, and I think I was in the obviously in the bottom half, the other half to Nick. But I think I think James lost to Kempe in the semis. I'm, I think I'm thinking of the right year. And then I beat Kempe in the semis, I think. But I went into the final 100% believing that I was not going to win. Like, I I had a I had a, a proud moment of getting to the final. Um, I hadn't got to the final before. And I, I was playing Nick, who was world number one, world champion. And I may have beaten Nick once before that. I, I can't remember. But I just didn't think I was going to win. But I thought... I felt pretty good. I thought I could maybe get a game. I thought I could do well. Um, and it was a big crowd. And, you know, British Nationals back then was 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 really good crowd. So I wanted to, I didn't want to get done three love in, in not much time. Mum and dad were coming up to watch. Um, and yeah, it was a weird one, actually. Like my sister wrote me a poem. Okay. Um, which she she came up to watch and she gave it to me before I played and I remember being in the uh, toilets of um, the national center out the back sitting and reading it on the toilet like just literally just just read this poem wow. and for some reason a switch went and it was like all right I've got a chance here someone believes in me Amazing. someone believes that I'm gonna win this Okay, let's do it. And that's and that was that was a weird little. If she, if she hadn't have given me that poem, I don't think I would have won. Such a mindset shift, eh? Just somebody. And, and I assume you've still got the poem. And, and if yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I can it's, all, it's, a, it's actually on the wall. I actually, I actually framed it. It's such right. a beautiful poem. That's amazing! Um, wow, what a story. And and yeah, I would say hundred percent. Had she not given it to me, I don't think I would have won. And and that's that's an amazing thing, right? What we're talking about now with the mind, we're talking about absolutely no change in ability <laughs> right between me not reading that poem or reading that poem no change in ability of how good i am at playing squash because it's exactly the same amount of hours mm -hmm. practice that i've put in over how many years before that right it's literally a change of mindset before mm -hmm. i'm playing a match that that yeah. was probably the difference between me winning and losing a major title that's which yeah. is crazy right is, but we, we all know how important it is mm. it's just simple things like like that having that belief in yourself that actually someone else thinks you can definitely win this they 100 percent believe that you can win it mm. whereas uh, i didn't i didn't believe i was going to win i just didn't think i was good enough to beat nick world mm. number one at that mm. time i just didn't think i was good enough when it turned out on the day on the day i was obviously yeah. nick you know world number one world champion no question about about him but that's the beauty of sport right anyone can beat anyone on the day and yeah. on that day i produced great squash don't know where it came from like played really well played my best mm. nick luckily for me i don't think you know like obviously didn't play his very best squash but maybe that was because i didn't let him or, or got into him but it you know mm. rest is history brilliant um, wow. close match three two can't remember i think it was like 11 7 11 8 the fifth but proud moment for me 
Brilliant. And and just picking up on maybe one thing there, it does sound like there's a lot of external factors that drive you, you know, family, your sister, team. And, and that's that's a great, with the interviews I've done so far and what I'll continue to a lot have that intrinsic. You've definitely got that intrinsic, you can tell, but it's when someone maybe presents something that's a little bit different that, that you really respond. Um, and I, I would maybe like to just pick up on this as well. What mental training have you done through your career? Has there been any dedicated mental training you sat down and done, or has it been like what you've done before, where it's more feel, intuition, sense? Can, can you talk on this? No, like, yeah, I mean, I haven't really done any to be honest. I think I did one session with a with a mental coach through England squash, but you know, didn't mm-hmm. at the time probably wasn't either the right person, or maybe I wasn't ready to, I don't know, open up about about stuff and I think as a guy as a guy it's, it's, it's different right as a guy you know I don't open up much don't talk openly very much about stuff um you know talking about this stuff is is therapeutic it's nice to talk to someone about about things and I think having having a you know having some type of therapy or someone you can open up to actually makes a massive difference to, to feeling just sharing your, you know, if you've got demons or you've got problems or whatever to share them with someone else makes a massive difference. So in terms of actual squash specific mental training, no, I don't think so. I think I just found out what worked for me, what didn't work for me, what, what motivated me, what didn't motivate me. I think, you know, we've talked about that a little bit, but Mm. Um, I think, you know, I think talking openly to someone, um, and I think it's, you know, it's highlighted a lot more people's mental health and, um, you know, actually talking about mental health, right. As opposed to just physical health all the time, it's, it's so much going on in everyone's head all the time and it's just confined to your headspace and it's never really allowed to let out and, you know, bad things fester and, Mm. all of this type of thing and whether you're talking about good things or bad things you know like you want to it's always nice to have someone to share with I think I think females in general and it's you know I am generalizing here but I think females are much better between the small groups of friends they have about opening up and and talking candidly about their feelings towards whoever another person their kids whatever it might be men men just aren't good at that right like we you know, you, you go down the pub or you go, you go and chat with your friends and stuff. You talk about nothing to do with <laughs> your personal feelings. Like yeah. it's just not, not, it's not, doesn't happen. Right. And even, you know, even now, like talking to your friends about stuff, you don't, you don't sit in there talking about this feeling or that feeling, you know, it's yeah. seen, still seen as a bit of a negative weak is, thing. Yeah. Right. And it, it shouldn't like it, be. It feels like it is getting better on the whole, like, like, yeah. it, on, you know you hear adverts on the radio and people on tv talk about it i know footballers are really big on mental health and yeah it's yeah, great if the superstars can start to open up and say hey listen i'm really struggling and it yeah, yeah. It only will lend for more people to open up but it still feels like it, it has a long way to go but maybe link to this a little bit what do you think was the hardest point in your career mentally was was there was there an area that needed attention at a certain point and can you reflect on that yeah i think I don't know. I think it's been a bit of a, obviously having kids, right. Just completely changes everything. Um, it changes your perspective. It changes your routine. If you, you know, if you had one, which I didn't before, but <laughs> I then I actually needed, it gave me some sort of routine because 
you know, it does. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's changed, you know, it definitely changed the way I viewed, viewed sport, but it just, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, didn't try. You always lose motivation through different parts, right? Through yeah. different things. Um, I, I, I was good at accepting that I didn't, couldn't train as much, and therefore accepted, accepted a little bit of a less high performance from myself. Mm-hmm. Um, gave myself, you know, always gave a hundred percent, but just accepted that couldn't train as much as I used to. Wasn't going to be able to get to the level that I. I used to and I think I, I use that sometimes as an excuse in a poor way um, it, it gave me an excuse sometimes when I didn't play well to yeah. put it on that when actually it was to do with something else you know I might not have I just yeah I just I don't know really it just, it's, a, it's a really funny one it's that that sort of period of of dealing with with being a being a parent I think yeah um no i can imagine it's like like yeah playing pro and trying to yeah do what you do and again maybe maybe not speaking out of turn here but but being a pro you you have to be a bit selfish don't you You, it's it's about you it's about you getting down to the courts training and you focus on you and then all of a sudden you bring another small human into your life maybe the selfishness needs to disappear and you get attention yeah yeah and that's and that's with her like i'm i'm probably the most unselfish person i really I just enjoy other people's success way more than my own. Like I just, I'd much rather someone else benefited from something than, than myself really. That's why, that's partly why I've gone into what I'm doing now in terms of looking after other, other athletes and managing, you know, younger people is that I want to see other people have success. Like I, I find it really, really uh, enjoyable to me to see and be part of someone else doing well. Um, but that 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 sort of period, yeah, that was you know a difficult period was was a little bit just lack of motivation. That's that's been my struggle really sometimes. Okay. Lack of motivation, I would say, to really, um, you know, just just push yourself that extra bit. Yeah, extra listen, bit. But an amazing amazing character trait to have in regard to celebrating other people's success. Um, when I've been looking at. Carol Dweck growth and fixed mindset. One of the big character traits of a growth mindset is celebrating other people's success. And yeah. Yeah, that's something that I think I'm, I'm really keen to cultivate within players I work with and anyone I come in touch with is going, yeah, you know what, celebrate other success. And, and, and you said it there. Um, so when I talk, when basically knew I was having this chat with you, uh, I, I, a few of my players knew it and they got super excited and they were buzzing. So there's a cool. few questions they've sent in. If you wouldn't oh, mind. Cool. Going through yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were, yeah. They were really keen to have a little chat. So the first question is, um, any advice for me as I'm struggling with motivation due to lack of tournaments and not knowing when I will play next? Yeah, I mean that, that's of course that's really difficult, right? I think um, I think if you can see, set yourself little challenges away from worrying about how long it is you're going to be to your next tournament. So, you know, you might have something you want to work on. You might want to get a bit fitter. Set yourself a little fitness goal. You know, that, that doesn't have anything. It, it sort of focuses the mind for that short period of time to try and improve one thing or another you know if you've got no tournaments then try and improve some aspect of your game you know like think about your competitors if they're just sitting at home doing nothing and and not improving then how can I find a way to get a bit bit a bit better 
a little leg up on them, like whether it's just practicing at home, whatever it might be. I find challenging yourself to different things always is a good thing. You know, if you can, if you can, when the time's right, get back on a squash court, say we're only allowed to do solo, challenge yourself like in, in solo practice, like how many can I hit? Can I, can I hit 10 straight drives in the shoe in, in a certain amount of time? Like anything that really, uh, focuses the mind because I think practice without purpose is a huge problem um, mm. with, you know, with someone that's trying to get better, right? Kids, kids, I don't think under the age of maybe 11 or 12 need to nest, you know, as long as they're hitting loads of balls, playing and just playing and enjoying, that's a good thing. I think once you get past that certain level um, where you're able to focus a bit better, mm. I think, um, when you practice, when you're actually practicing, I think practicing with purpose, with a goal in mind, has, has makes a massive difference. Rather than just doing a routine, and just doing that routine, trying to maybe work on one, one or two things, put put a target down, focus the mind on 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 where you're trying to hit or what you're trying to do. You know, great great advice. Thank you. Um, next question is: What drove you to continue when you had maybe lost motivation and couldn't see progress as quickly as you would have liked. So I think that's more along the lines of you were maybe training and working on something and you wouldn't see that, that progression. I think juniors struggle with that a lot. So any, any advice on that? Yeah, it's hard. You sort of have to, I don't know the way, the way it goes is you go up in little stages, right. And then you plateau for a while. It's the same as going through a growth spurt, right? You don't notice you're growing you don't notice it like as a kid you just grow and it's a, you know well hang on at some point you get a realization oh wow i've grown and it's the same thing when you're when you're practicing and improving you don't see yourself improving because you're playing every day whereas someone else might come across and go oh my god how much you've improved loads haven't seen you play for two months and it's that that moment when someone else might say that to you that you go oh all that work i didn't think i was improving and someone else has come from the outside, not seeing me play for two months and been like, oh, they've, you've improved loads. And I think it's when you're within yourself all the time and it's the same when you're growing up as a kid, like you don't feel like you're getting any bigger, mm-hmm. but actually you're growing all the time and, it, and it's similar to that. So nice. it's not panicking, still doing the right things and um, having a belief in, in, in what you're trying to do. So mm-hmm. believe in the coach. If you're the coach, it's having that full belief in what you're telling them is, is completely right. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as you believe in, in what someone's telling you um, and they're trying to tell you the right things, obviously, then um, you have to believe that you are improving. You just might not be able to see it at that particular point. No, really powerful stuff. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, what one of the other players uh, asked is, do you think it's possible that you don't have to start as the best junior, but grow into one of the best in the future? And how do you keep motivated to to do this? Yeah, I'm, you know, again, there's, there's good examples of that, right? Like Nick Matthews, uh, a good one I mean people take Nick as a, as an example but I don't think Nick probably is the best example now because Nick actually was a good junior um, but he wasn't the very very best junior but he was a good junior anyway and then he became the very best senior so that's a small little change but someone like and Paul might be able to correct me but Paul Cole I don't think was a great great junior at all but yeah. you know he's a good example of someone that's a brilliant all-round athlete right mm-hmm. he's good at everything he does a really good golfer a really good I think he was good at rugby, uh, probably good at cricket, you know, like he's that all rounder type that probably played loads of sports when he was younger and therefore didn't dedicate all that time to squash. Mm-hmm. So didn't, wasn't the best junior, I don't think. And then look at him now, you know, you're talking about top four in the world player that's mm-hmm. improved, you know, month on month, year on year. 
um, extremely professional. Everything he does is is done to try and get better and better and better. So having that having that mindset, you know, similar to Paul's, where he's just focused on right. He got to a point where he was like, right, squash is this. This is it for me. This is how I'm going to get better. And I do all these things X, Y, Z, and this will make me better. And I feel like having that having that type of uh, approach to it, you know. I mm. think is, is is a really good thing. You have to be professional, I think. If you're yeah. not the best junior, you have to find out why wasn't I the best? Maybe I was doing loads of other things. Mm. Maybe I was playing other sports. Maybe it was whatever that might be. And then how can I get better? Now I'm a, you know, as I'm coming out and I'm I'm getting to the end of juniors, how do I how do I then put that into practice? And you know, training hard is is one that I see a lot, right? There's yeah. plenty of pros, senior players that think they train hard. <laughs> And then just nowhere near training hard enough. Yeah, and I think Paul is a great a great case study for that because yep, sounds multi-sported, as multi-talented with sports, and yeah, definitely peaking at, at the right times. Um, two more questions from uh, some of the players. Um, what do you do for your pre-match or pre-game ritual, and how do you think it affects the way you play? Yeah, I try what we said about routine earlier, but I actually try and warm up. Like I have a fairly set warm-up routine, and I think that that sort of set routine is just a switch, really. A simple switch that as soon as I start my warm-up routine, it goes into transitioning from me being Daryl Selby, Daryl, normal person, into Daryl Selby, the squash player. Like They're two different people, right? Two completely different people who one of them uh, doesn't really feel pressure, just gets on with with stuff, Um and and the reason I th- I think about it like like that is comes back to the the Commonwealth Games for me the doubles right like the way the doubles is played ten all sudden death point like <laughs> nothing more nerve wracking in sport than a sudden death point um, whatever that might be golden goal whatever sudden death point and looking back to Commonwealth Games in Gold Coast I think myself and Adrian or myself and Alison as well like we I think we were down five, six, seven sudden death points and we won all of them. Nice. And that wow. And and that comes down from if I'd gone out of body and been realised the situation and been Daryl Selby the normal person, I think I just would have panicked and been like, it's just too much. But I was in my squash self that I'd harnessed over so many years that I was in such a focused mindset that I wasn't worried. Like I watch I watch it back and I'm like head in hands like so nervous even though I know the result I've watched it back and I just almost can't watch because <laughs> the nerve and and if you're a spectator a parent oh, would have been horrible right been the worst being on there not a panic in the world like absolutely I'm still playing squash this is great like brilliant you know it's hard to explain the two completely different uh you know impressions you have of, of, of it but but yeah, um, that that comes back. I don't know. It's it's just yeah. When you do your warm up routine, or when you when you go into your pre match rituals, it's for me. It's getting out of my normal normal self mm-hmm. into my into my squash brain, and and I think just having a little little routine for that for me for me works in that type of routine. That that definitely works, and it and it sort right. of focuses me. And if I can take a minute or two at the end of the warm up to visualize, I think visualizing is good. I know you like that, but visualizing 
like how you want to play in the match, whether it's one or two tactics that you think, okay, this, these particular tactics will work for me. You might have identified them with your coach, but like thinking about how you're going to employ those one or two tactics. I think when they're fresh in your mind and you've thought about them, then it's easier to transition that into the match play because you've literally just thought about it and Mm. who knows whether it's going to work, but at least you have that clear mind uh, mindset and identity when you go in. Yeah, like visualizations that we could have a whole topic just on that. Um, you yeah. know, parts of the brain that get highlighted and work the same as if you're doing the physical activity and the brain scanning is, is just brilliant. And um, last question from the players would be, um, how do you get back to controlling the game when you feel like the game is controlling you? Yeah, that's a difficult one, actually. Yeah. Um, you have, yeah, I guess, I guess you have to find a way to, to to get everything back to your your control and, and and there's lots of different ways of doing that like for me for me it might be breaking up the match right the other person's in such a good rhythm the, the match is running away from you how do i break that up it might be through uh having a chat with the ref causing a decision where it breaks up the play tying your shoelace going somewhere else, like whatever it is, you have to change your momentum and change it. And you have to consciously do it for that reason. So it's like not just being involved in yourself and carrying on returning and, and playing and keeping doing the same thing. Something has to change, whether it's breaking up the play or whether it's changing tactics, something consciously has to switch in your head for, for that not for you not to let it run away with you. Otherwise, if you just keep doing the same thing and you're getting beaten, then then the same thing is going to keep happening. So something has to change, whether that's tactically or within the match. Um, and you, ha- you have to be the one to control that. And, and you can control it. There's no reason why you can't do something different. It's just up to you to recognize it and then do it. Yeah, really, really sound advice that. And yeah, hopefully those that are listening can really resonate and, and take a bit from it. So listen, I know you're pushed for time. You are got some homeschooling coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. But a couple Great. more quick little questions. To <laughs> no, ask. Go for it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so knowing what you know now, what's the one bit of advice you would give to your younger self? Um, probably if I wanted to get better at squash, I think in hindsight, I probably would have tried even harder to try and find someone to work with okay. uh, and I mean that as a, as like from a coaching perspective or from a mentor perspective um like my dad was great in terms of that from that age but then I think once I got to once I got to like that mid mid-20s age I didn't have I was doing everything by myself right I had a few different times with coaches had a great time with carts um didn't do much individual stuff did a few bits but like had a great group sessions at Potter's Bar, like some of the best memories of squash for me is with Carts and with the group there. Like I'll, I'll forever be grateful for all of his help. Um, but in terms of, yeah, in terms of that, I would have loved to have someone that was like on my side all the time, because I think it's quite, no matter how strong you are, and I feel like I'm a strong person intrinsically, but I think no matter how hard it you think you are, you always may need someone else to, to, to help. And I think having a, either a coach or a mentor or someone to talk to and share and, and try and help me get better in that midpoint between 25 and 30, I think if I was looking back at my younger self then, I, I'd, I'd try and find someone then to really, because they were my best playing years, I think. And I don't think I quite reached the potential I could have reached with a little bit of help. So yeah, that's, um, yeah. 
Sounds, 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 yeah, sounds really wise. And finally, looking at where you're at now, you've you've opened Dynam Dynamic 7 Sport, which is a sport consulting firm. Um, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about this and, and actually what's next for you? Where, where are you going and where, where are you thinking at LinkedIn with Dynamic 7 Sports? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the reason I started that, we talked about university earlier, I actually got a degree in sports management from, from Loughborough, um, which, which was great. Always, you know, I have a massive interest in sport. I love sport. I love everything about it. Uh, lockdown one, missing sport was, was the worst for me. That was the worst point of it, like not being able to be involved in sport. So that's, that's the one passion. The other passion I talked about was helping people. Um, comes from my mum's sort of like genes. She, she loves helping people and loves, loves just doing stuff whenever she can to help someone else. So yeah, that, those two things coupled together sort of has brought me to, to start my own company, which helps, you know, younger athletes to try and, you know, with their sponsorship, but also, you know, with, with a little bit of mentorship and trying to help them develop as people, um, trying to make them, help them make the right decisions and try and plan for future and lots of different aspects to it, right? Mm. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, I'm mostly involved in squash at the moment, but my love for all sports hopefully will take that, you know, a lot further and I can grow it and be involved in a lot more sports than just squash. Hmm. Um, what's, but, um, what, what's the website so people can find you on it? Anyone that's listening that could, might be interested? Yeah, absolutely. It's just dynamic7sport.com. So yeah. seven being the actual, uh, the, the number. But um, that that came down to I actually uh, wanted just dynamic. But okay. someone was trying to charge me like $20,000 for the website <laughs> domain or something ridiculous. Someone else owned it. Uh, dynamic for dynamic sport I think and then I I added the seven in mm -hmm. seven being a lucky number my nice. lucky number and um, suddenly it was like ten dollars perfect the, website. Yeah. Yeah, so. it looks, the design looks nice the seven like breaks it up quite nice doesn't it like, yeah I think so I think so yeah I think so yeah my wife's a designer so luckily she she did a good job yeah and and it looks great like i've had a look at the website several times you're working with some players i think um, amanda sobe jenny dunkoff is an mc um declan james you've got a few cricket players and a golf uh, golf is also the other sport and yeah like so uh, it sounds like a really great exciting path for you to open up on um and yeah just i suppose in closing have you got any i know we've discussed so much and there's so much cool detail um, <laughs> again i'm so thankful for your time because you know really getting inside your mind and understanding what's going on has been brilliant but yeah any final closing thoughts for anyone listening that that you would like to pass on yeah i mean it's you know as i said before it's nice having a chat to you jesse i mean we know each other well anyway but it's just lovely having a chat with someone about you know the, the inner workings of of uh, of the mind within sport because you know a lot of the time people ask you know you do your normal interviews and they ask about this and that but to get really like into the the deep mind of, of, of an athlete, I feel like I could talk all day about it, you know, because it's it's an interesting thing to to open up for, and and, and it is that opening up thing, thing, right? Like if you're if you're struggling, if you're with ever with whatever, by the way, like whether it's squash, whether it's life, whether it's this or that, and I think you know whether you're male or female it doesn't matter. It's like trying to find that one person you can trust whether it's a coach whether it's your parents whether it's your sister whether it's your brother whoever it might be someone that you can share your feelings with I think is a hugely important thing to make you feel comfortable within your own skin because you know these days with social media and stuff like people may make you feel like you're not normal or you're doing something wrong or you know you're not cool whatever whatever the problem might be and at the end of the day you know like you're you are who you are you need to just 
believe that who you are is is a great person and, and that you don't have to worry about what other people think really I know that's hard these days because people are very critical and it's easy for people to hide behind things and be critical but you know who cares about them like you care about yourself and your enjoyment for stuff and, and if you are if you do ever have a problem then speak to someone like there's always someone to speak to if you can find that one person that you trust go speak to them mm. they'll help make you better Mate, listen, that's such a powerful closing message. And, and really thank you for, for saying that. And yeah, hopefully that, that resonates to a few people that might be struggling and, and that. And look, I could speak to you for hours about this. So I would, I would love the opportunity to loop back in maybe six months time. There's so many more questions I wanted to ask you, but I really, I really love that idea about sitting and just talking, you know, almost like over a cup of coffee and, and just seeing where it goes. And so no, honestly, thank you for your time. Enjoy the homeschooling and yeah, I'll be keeping yeah. a close eye on you. I'll direct people to your social media channels. Thanks, mate. And good luck with thy net. Dynamic 7 Sport. Thanks, Jesse. Been a pleasure talking to you, mate. Cheers, mate. Presence. Process. Persistence. The essence of Squash Mind. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.